so thankful for our teams and for Pastor Rick and the media guys in the back. That was, uh, I was going to show that um, later, and I said, can you guys move it up for forward? Let's show it before I preach. Uh, you needed to hear that more than I think you needed to hear what I have to say to you today. Um, I really believe that faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. I read that somewhere um, <laughs> in the Word of God. Um, and it's so important that our faith is stirred and that, it, that it's just there's a fire in us, church. Uh, talk this, this year to end 2018. And if you remember the last message I preached on a Sunday morning in 2018, it was a message called The Resolute Spirit. And it's just about having a heart that's just resolved, just like pressing in, that's just fixed on, God, I want more of you. I'm just going to pursue you with everything I have. That's been my prayer this year, that I just want more of him. I just want to experience everything he has for me this year. And uh, man, if you're calling Evangel home, if you're new here, I hope that you'll just jump into that and say, God, I want everything you have for me this year. Hold nothing back. Uh, that's the journey that we're on. So we went through a season of seeking God and 21 days of prayer and fasting where the Lord met us in a special way, and now we're in a series called Stretch Goals, and I really believe that the best way to start a new year and a new season in your life, whether 2019 represents a new year only, or maybe for some of you, it is a new season that God is bringing you into. Uh, whatever it is, I think that there's a few things that you should do. One is, before you set any goals, seek the Lord. <laughs> I think we go and we set our goals and we ask God to bless our goals, but I think we miss it sometimes. First thing you want to do is you want to get your heart lined up with his heart. Does that make sense? Say, Lord, I want to know what you want me to know. I'm going to seek you. And then out of that and out of what you show me, you're going to put your finger on different things in my heart that aren't as maybe they should be or, or aren't as you desire them to be. And then, Lord, I want to run after that. And so that's what we're doing now. We've been seeking the Lord. He's put his finger on a few areas that I, I feel that I need to share with you as a church and as a church family and as a follower of Jesus that will help you grow. And then we're going to set some goals to grow our faith together. Last week, we talked about the word of God, the importance of God's word. And um, man, over 600 of you made a commitment to spend daily time in God's word. Come on, can we celebrate that? That's amazing. I'm very uh, proud of that and very thankful. I had people come to me and talk to me after service, said, Pastor, this is the year I'm doing it. I'm reading through the entire Bible this year. And they showed me uh, how far along they're going. And I want to just commend you. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, join us on this journey. Uh, make uh, God's word a priority in your life. Look to his word. Spend time daily reading it. Uh, the Bible app that you could find, if you just look up on your app store, if you have a smartphone, uh, just type in Bible. It'll be the one that says Holy Bible. It's a little brown icon. by you version. You can find uh, thousands and thousands of reading plans that will help you grow. And uh, we can, we challenge people to read through the New Testament 90 days. Maybe that's the journey that you're on right now, or to read through the entire Bible in a year, uh, or just to take time and say, every day I'm going to be in God's word, um, or maybe I'm going to memorize scripture. Whatever it might be, I just want to honor you for taking that commitment. And here's what I know. In this season and in everything we're talking about in this series, we're going into another area now today. Here's what I want you to know. This is the principle that overrides everything we're talking about. Every step you're willing to take in this season to make more room for God, to stretch into these areas, God is going to honor it. I promise you that. I know that time and time again. God will honor every step we take to pursue him. Does that make sense? Man, I, I pray you believe it. I pray that you understand it and that you take that seriously, that if you're willing to stretch in your faith and in your, in your relationship with God, God will honor those steps of obedience. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what it means to stretch in prayer, to stretch in making God's presence a priority. 
You know, as we're looking at this idea, I've been reading through the Bible in, uh, in a year. That's the journey that I'm on. And by the end of this year, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to be able to walk through this. But I've been asking the Lord to do something a little bit different for me. Because I think that just like many of you that have ever attempted, can I see by a show of hands, has anyone ever attempted to read through the Bible in an entire year? Anyone? Come on, we're going to need more hands up after next year, after this year. Um, but if you attempt to do that, you're going to get into some passages of Scripture and some chapters uh, I'm just going to set it up for you right now. It gets pretty exciting in the beginning of Exodus, and then on the backside of Exodus, it really slows down. Um, and, you know, before long, you know, yeah, they went through the Red Sea, and there, there's like all these miracles, and God's working, and wonders, and they get out there, and God says, hey, I want you to make me a tabernacle. Some of you that read it, you know what I'm talking about. And then God goes on for chapter after chapter, and I want it twisted this way, and I want it that color, and I want this thing like that, and get the people, and get this guy. He's going to do it this way. I'm like, do I really need to know any of this, Lord? Like, like this is, is this necessary for me to, 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 to take this in? But here's the, the perspective I have this year. You don't want to know if you want to change your life. Sometimes you just have to change your perspective, the way you're seeing something. Here's what I, I, I've said, Lord, I'm, I'm, coming, I'm just coming after you with everything I have, Lord God. I want to follow you. And Lord, every day I open your word, I know you have something you want to say to me. And guess what? The Lord's speaking every single day as he promises to. But sometimes, again, you get into stretches of scripture where you're wondering, Lord, is this not applicable anymore? And the Lord will have something to say to you about it. He'll apply it to your heart, and, he, and he's been doing that, and he was doing that all through the tabernacle, and talking about the importance of how the Lord says, there's an order to what I want. I want, I want it to be taken seriously, and the, the overriding principle that I really picked up from reading in that, in that passage, in that area of scripture, something I knew, but I knew it again. I knew it deeper, having spent time in God's word, is this, God really cares about spending time with us. God really cares about being near us and us being near his presence. God desires nothing more than a relationship with us. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, one of the worst things that happened as a result of our sin was that we were separated from the presence of God. You know, when we heard about the Garden of Eden, many of you have heard about the Garden of Eden and the reason that man was expelled from the Garden of Eden, it was because of our sin, because of our brokenness, because of our choice to rebel against God. But one of the things that we fail to recognize is that when we left the Garden, we left God's presence. We weren't in the presence of the one who created us in his image anymore. And so we see over time how broken the world becomes being out of God's presence, how broken humanity becomes and sinful because we're out of his presence. And our sinfulness and our brokenness is incompatible with his presence and his holiness. And so it's kind of like this. I saw one uh, Bible teacher talk about it this way, that God's presence is kind of like the sun. You know, it's not, people don't get, you know, in the Bible when you read that someone would die because they entered into God's presence in the wrong way or whatever that is. It's not because God was mad at them or upset or, or was, was just being, being mean or something like that. It's because their brokenness was incompatible with his holiness. So think of God's presence like the sun. Is the sun bad? No, the sun gives life. The sun gives light. It gives all these things. But why don't you take a trip to the sun today? It isn't happening. You won't live and survive from it. Because it's, it's so hot. It's, 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 it's made in a way that you're not compatible with. And so our sinfulness is incompatible with God's holiness. And God decided he would do something about it. All through the Old Testament, he's making a way for his people to be in his presence. That's what he wants. And ultimately, everything we read about there in the Old Testament, all the many ways that people went and sacrificed and did all these things, what I'm so thankful for today is that through one sacrifice, 
God took care of all of that. So now we can stand in his presence and experience healing and grace and worship. And that came through his son, Jesus, who died for our sins. Man, today, if you don't know Jesus, it's the greatest gift God ever gave us. It's the gift of us being restored in his presence, our sins being forgiven, us having a brand new life. It's the only reason I can stand before you today is not because of who I am or what's gone on in my life. It's because of what Jesus has done in me. That's the only reason I'm able to be here. And for some of you, it's the only reason you're here as well. Amen? You'd be dead somewhere if it weren't for what Jesus has done for you. He made it possible for us to be in God's presence. But it doesn't make everything we read about in the Old Testament unnecessary. Because God has been teaching principles throughout his word that are principles we still need to hold and cling to today. Will someone say amen? And there's one principle that as I was going through the Bible reading, I got to the book of Leviticus. And in the book of Leviticus, that's another place you can get kind of tripped up. I almost got tripped up just saying the word Leviticus. So you get to the end of Exodus and they built the tabernacle. And it looked beautiful, I'm sure. I mean, I read about all the things that went into it. It was amazing. They spared no expense, incredible detail. But whenever the tabernacle was completed and God's presence dwelled and filled it, it said Moses and no one else could go in it. There was like a cloud that just a cloud of his glory just kind of rested there. And they couldn't go in. And here's a principle that I learned. That just because we get everything looking perfect on the outside doesn't mean we're really ready to enter into his presence. We can do the work to set up and practice and come here and rehearse and put on our Sunday's best, but that doesn't mean we're ready to enter into his presence and experience what he has for us. And that's why the book of Leviticus was so necessary, because at the end of Exodus, he was preparing the outer parts, the tabernacle, but now he says, now it's time to prepare your hearts to really experience what I have for you, to understand true worship, to understand prayer, to understand my presence, and what does it mean to draw near to me. So that's what Leviticus is all about, and I think we could still learn a lot through that today. But I got to this one verse, and this is all I want to talk to you about this morning. In Leviticus chapter 6, he's talking about all these offerings that need to happen over and over again, all these different kinds of offerings you could bring to the Lord to be in his presence and to worship him. And then he says this one verse, and it's after he's repeated this phrase about five times the Lord has. You get to Leviticus chapter 6, verse 13, and this is what he says, and I want us all to read it out loud. We're going to put it up on the screen here, and I want you just to read, read it with me. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 13. Here's what it says. Remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. What a word. The Lord says it again and again. The fire must be burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. See, at this time when they would bring an offering, many of them would be a burnt offering of some kind. And there were priests that were there. They were overseeing this. And there was an altar. And that altar had a fire on it. And that fire was a place that ultimately they would come and worship the Lord. And as they would do that, uh, the Lord was pleased with their worship. And that was a way of them entering into God's presence and worshiping him and being near to him. And this is what the Lord continually says, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. Don't ever let it go out. And so we begin to realize that there's such a desire here that God wants it to be continually burning. It must remain burning. And it was a divinely appointed symbol. It was a sign, here's what it was truly a sign of, uninterrupted worship of God, that there be no ceasing to worship him. 
And at every time, at every hour, there's prayer, there's, there's, there's an intercession, there's worship, there's just a time of just drawing near to God. And the Lord said, don't let it go out. You know why? Because God understands our hearts better than we understand our hearts. He understands our minds. Here's how it could have went. You ready, to, you ready to see why I think God had to tell them over and over and over again? Well, the priests are there, and the fire's burning on the altar, and there are big stretches of time that no one's coming to worship. Well, they come in the morning, and then they come at nighttime, but like during all these other times, there's no one there. I mean, you know, and then, then the, uh, you, you know, the, the guy who's doing all the, the profits and losses on the temple and the wood is saying, guys, this is, uh, you know, this is costing us a lot of money to be burning, uh, burning wood on the altar, and no one's coming and uh, showing up. This is a poor use of our resources here. Would God really be pleased with that? Uh, we should, you know what we should do? Let's do this. Let's just open it up uh, for some certain hours. Well, let's just say from 6 to, uh, to 12, and then we'll go down here, and we'll be from 4 to 8. And we'll just have these two big, big pockets of time. People can come and go, and then we'll just let the fire die out during those other times. I can see that happening. And then says, you know what? Let's, this is, you know, this is every single day. I mean, it's just a few people a day. Let's move it all to just a couple days. No, you know what? Let's move it all to just one day. And that'll be the day where the fire is burning. And it'll burn all day, morning, noon, and night. It'll be burn. You know what? That's a lot. Like, we can fit, we built a really big room. We can fit a lot of people in. Let's just do it on Sunday mornings. Let's just do it for an hour and a half. And that's it. That's good. That's good. We'll have some special times at other times, and we'll do it. And I just feel like we have just, <laughs> are you with me? We've just moved down the road. And I want you to know, man, the fire on the altar has to always be burning. It must never go out. We wonder why. Man, we're, we're failing in our passion, that there's just a diminishing. Because maybe for some of us, we think the fire is only burning when we're in this building. The fire is only meant to be burning when the worship song is playing, when the band's, and when the pastor's encouraging me. The fire on the altar must always be burning. And I want you to know something. He's talking about a tabernacle that would become a temple. But now that you have Jesus and the presence of God's Spirit in your heart, the Bible says you are what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. And in the temple, there was an altar. And on that altar, he says, the fire must always be burning on that altar. It must never go out. Are you with me today? He says, now you. Do you want to know what happened for some of you today as you watch Jackson's story? The fire on the altar got relit. There was a burning that came up within you that drew you out of your seat and said, what am I doing? It's because there was a reigniting to say, man, Lord, yes. There's a passion. There's a readiness to worship you. There's a readiness to pray. Could you imagine people showing up? You come in that time, in that system, and you bring your best sacrifice for the Lord. You come and you're bringing him. I'm going to come worship the Lord. And you show up there, and the altar isn't even lit. And you say, oh, the altar's not lit, and you have to sit there and wait? Could you imagine? That's why God said, no, no, there's always going to be a readiness that any moment it'll be time. Any moment the altar's on fire, it's ready. It's ready to receive worship. It's ready to pray. I'm ready to hear at all times, day and night, whenever people draw near, I'm there. I'm ready, and so you be ready. He tells the priest to be ready. You know what the Bible says now that you and I are? We're a kingdom of priests. We're a kingdom of priests. It says in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, says, once you were not a people, now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. And it says, as a kingdom of priests, uh, we, we are declaring the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. What, what does he say to the priests? The altar 
must always be burning with fire. It must never go out. So he speaks it to our hearts today, doesn't he? And what he says to us today is let there be a passion, a continual passion, a continual worship, a continual seeking me, a continual pressing into my presence. And as we do that, we honor him. And when we don't do that, you want to know what happens? We begin to extinguish the very thing God wants to do in us. When the Apostle Paul speaking in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I don't have this verse reference on the screen for you, but it's verses 16 through 19 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He begins to just share these key principles. He says this, rejoice always. I'll raise a hallelujah. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will in Christ Jesus. Ready? Do not quench the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit showed up on the day of Pentecost, does anyone remember what it looked like to the people? Tongues of fire falling and resting on people. Man, the Holy Spirit, because he now dwells in you, there's a fire that's burning, friends. There's a fire that's burning, and guess what? It can grow dormant. It can grow softer and softer. I said before the first service that in the day of 1 Samuel chapter 3, when young Samuel was, was just being called as a prophet, there were people that they went to church, they called themselves God's people, they knew all the rituals, but their hearts were so far from God. But here's what I love, it says there in chapter three, it says, but the lamp of God had not yet gone out. The fire was still burning, it was flickering. I want you to know, for some of you, you may feel like the fire's gone out. I want you to know it's still smoldering, there's still, there's still a coal there. And I want you to know, if you'll give wind, and if you'll give time, and you'll give intentionality, that will erupt in a moment to a consuming fire, a consuming passion, one that you feel so far gone, it's decades ago. No, no, no. The Lord will be visited right now in his presence if you'll let him. He says the fire on the altar must always be burning. It must never go out. We're meant to live differently. Our lives are meant to be a life of worship. He says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. You know, what's amazing is that they used to have to bring sacrifices. They used to have to bring these things, all these offerings to the Lord. And you know what the Apostle Paul says to those who would say, well, no longer, we have Jesus now. He was our sacrifice. Yes and amen. But you know what Paul says? He says, yes, Jesus was your sacrifice, and now if you're going to follow him, that means your life is going to be a sacrifice. You're going to be a living sacrifice. Every day surrendering to the Lord, every day worshiping him, every day drawing near to him, every day coming to that place and making sure the fire on the altar is always burning, that it never goes out. Do you want to know how to quench the spirit? Do you want to know how to diminish the flame of God that's burning in your heart? Reach verse 2 of Romans chapter 12. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. If you're spending your time conforming to the pattern of this world, man, if you're allowing more of the world into your heart and your life, if you're just trying to model your life after the world, I want you it's incompatible with what God has for you in so many ways. He wants to do something new and fresh in you. Quit trying to be like everyone else. Start trying to be like him. Start trying to be like Jesus. I promise you, Jesus was so good. You say, well, people are going to think I'm weird. People aren't going to like me if I act like Jesus. Go read about Jesus. People love Jesus. You know who didn't like Jesus? The religious people didn't like Jesus. The people you work with, your friends, your family, your co you love them like Jesus loved people, you'll be fine. Don't worry. Don't worry, man. You don't got to try to act like everyone else or model everyone. Just model Jesus. I didn't say model religion. I didn't say model church. I said model Jesus. Just look like him and watch what he does. Just watch it. He's going 
He's going to flip everything around. He's going to change your life. He'll make you like salt and light right where you're at. But it requires being so fully surrendered. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. It's a very serious thing to say yes to Jesus and walk after him, but he will honor every step you take with him. You know, whenever I think about this idea that the fire in the altar must always be burning, I, I go back to a story that I heard. And this story I heard was uh, a while back when I was in college, though, I'd heard it. And it was about two college students, and these college students heard about a revival that was happening a long time ago. There was a little-known preacher, you probably haven't heard of him, named Charles Spurgeon. And, uh, and he's a big deal now. And at that time, his services were just taking uh, the world by storm. People were amazed. They'd come from all over because there was such anointed preaching of God's word. There were people drawing near. Lives were being changed. And so these two students say, we got to know what the secret is. We got to get into that church, and we got to see what's happening and, and be there. And so they came uh, on a Sunday or you know during that week when they were having their worship gathering, and they come in early. We're going to get there early. We're going to get seats. They come walking in an hour or so before service begins, and they walk into an empty sanctuary. And so they're kind of looking around like, wow, I thought people would be here by now. And then a guy comes up to them, and they, it looks kind of like the janitor. And so they said, hey, where is everyone? He says, oh, you want to know, why, why are you here? Oh, we're here. We heard about Pastor Spurgeon, and we, we just got to know what, what it's all about and, and what makes this church what it is. And he's, oh, you want to know that? Come on, follow me. And he goes, and he brings them downstairs into the boiler room, and there are 500 people on their face before God praying, praying for God to move, praying for God to change lives, praying for God to touch people's lives. And these guys are just amazed. They had no idea what's going on. They thought it was about, you know, the, the message and this and that and, and it was here that this is what's making everything happen in this church and then they walked upstairs they went to the service the the guy they thought was the janitor put on his other jacket got up it was Charles Spurgeon preached the message and they said it forever marked them because they realized everything that they thought was happening through a gifted man and through preaching and through it was all being generated and fueled through the place of prayer in that church and it's funny because I revisited that story this week and, and I've been feeling such a similar burden in my heart and we've been talking about it for a long time. We went through a season of prayer and fasting last year and in that time, God convicted my heart and the heart of our leadership and said, prayer has to be the foundation of this church. It has to be at the foundation. It can't just be another thing that you do. It has to be who you are, a reliance and dependence on me. I want you to know, the bigger a church becomes, the more programs it gets, the more we can depend on other things. We can depend on people. We can depend on ministries. We can depend on, on finances. We can depend on all kinds of stuff. But God says, none of that can ever exceed your dependence on me. That's why prayer has to be the foundation of his house. My house will be a house of prayer. If it becomes about anything else, then we're going to miss it. We're going to miss what he has for us, right? That's why Jesus drove the money changers out of the temple, because he was seeing it was creeping in on the foundation. My house, my house is a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. And so he, he gets at that. And God was putting his finger on our heart in that same way. Went into a lot of conversations, said, we gotta, we got to shift the script here. we got to make a priority on prayer. And what does that look like? And I can remember we, we knew what it meant. Because if you look at any budget, you look at whatever a priority is in your life. And I promise you this. It is not a priority in your life if dollars are not attached to it, if time is not attached to it, if intentional space isn't given to it. You can call it whatever you want to. It's not a priority. You can say your family or whatever. If, 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 if there aren't resources going there, if there isn't. So we can get up and talk about things. And we could have spent some money and put a, put a big, beautiful thing on the wall. But if we didn't actually do something to say prayer is a priority, we're making space to meet with God, then I, then I think it would just be like so many other things. We talk about it, but don't do anything about it. And so that's, that was the, 
the journey we were on as leaders. I can remember sitting in a room knowing what we needed to do. We need to, we need to call Wednesday night the night of prayer and we need to get into God's presence, but we have other ministries, and we have this, and we have small groups, and we, I mean, well, this is just going to be too much for our people, and I remember thinking that, and saying, I know, I, I hear you, and how many times a week can they come, and then what's going on, and we, we just pressed on it, pressed on it, pressed on it, and finally, we had to stop and say, wait, how about, let's just honor God, we know he's saying we do this, and we're going we're gonna to do that, and if everything else becomes an issue, we'll move the other things away. Because this is the priority of what God's called us to in this hour. We'll figure out how we're going to do that. We're going to honor the Lord, though, and not weigh this with just everything else. We, we, this is what the Lord has said. Do you know God has so honored that step? We're, we're at over the six-month mark in the prayer meeting. God has been meeting us with power. God, I'm sitting here looking at more people in the room on February, so many more people than were here a year ago uh, in our second service. In our first, do you want to know why? We've already done the math. We've already looked at it. We knew where we were before May, and we knew where we were after May. The prayer meeting has made all the difference in this thing. Everything we've seen positive happening in this house, we point at a prayer meeting and say, it was that decision. I'm, I'm not kidding you. Come on, Chris is right there. Other people that are doing it. This, we put all these things. What is contributing towards the season that we're in right now? We made a priority on prayer. God's honoring it. That's all we can say. Now, are we doing other things? Yes, we're doing other things, but nothing is as prevalent as that in, in what's happening. God's honoring it. So here's the principle. You ready? If you do the same thing in your life, God will honor every other area of your life. I want you to know, man, and we sat in so many meetings figuring out what do we got to do? Send postcards to people, do this, do that. You know, how do we make sure we get people coming to evangel? We, you know, we got to figure out the, the giving. We got to figure out this. We got to figure out the budgets. We got to figure out the ministries. We, you know, and we could spend all our focus figuring out all that stuff. But here's the lesson we've learned. If we'll just get on our faces before God in prayer every single week, if we'll just let that fire keep burning, it will become the engine to drive everything else. I promise you that's the truth. You want to know what Spurgeon called that? He called it his boiler room. He said, because that place of prayer is what fueled everything else inside of that church. The same is true here at Evangel Church. It's our furnace. That when we gather together on Wednesday night and when we pray, it's in that place that it's fueling everything else God is doing. It's in the prayer room. Are you with me? The principle applies to you as well. There's so many things you're trying to manage in your life, with your job, with your finances, with so many other things. I promise you this. If you make a prayer room with God, and if you get alone with him, and if you say, God, prayer will be a priority. Seeking you will be a priority. I believe every step you take there, God will begin to take care of things in other places. And it will be just directly connected to the intentionality you're making to make room for God in your life. You don't have to believe me. I know it's true. I've seen it already. I've seen it in, in my church. I've seen it in my house. I'm seeing it in my family. It's the truth of what you do, if you'll do that. But, but please, be so careful to call Evangel Church home and to be able to experience this in a corporate way, something you're not even able to experience on a, in a very personal way because you're not doing it. You with me? We can experience a blessing corporately, and you're just getting the little bit of overflow of it, or you could go in and say, I see it, and I'm going to do it for myself now. And you're going to experience the abundance of that in your heart, in your life. Are you with me? God's going to honor it. I promise you. Whether you're a guest here today watching us online, you don't have to be a member of our church to make that a priority. The secret's out, man. Just go and make a priority for prayer, and God's going to honor it in every area of your life. I truly believe it. He's going to honor it as we make room for him. Oh, man. I got ahead of myself. Now I don't have enough time to give you guys the rest of this. All right, take out your notes. You have some, something to write notes on? Take out your bulletin or something like that. You got to come to the prayer meeting to get this in, in written format, okay? 
It's a little plug for the prayer meeting. But I want to give you eight ways that are going to help you develop a deeper personal prayer life. So if you want to say yes, I mean, you were inspired by what you saw with Jackson's story. You're hearing, yes, I want the fire on the altar to be burning, Pastor. How? How can I make sure it's continually burning? How can I make sure it doesn't go out? I just want to give you eight principles. And again, if you come to the prayer meeting on Wednesday night, it will, you, you'll have it in writing. I'll give you an actual written form of this, and we'll email it to you as well, just to make sure everyone has it. But I'm going to go through these, and I'm going to go through them pretty quickly, okay? Eight ways. The first way, and come on up, Pastor Rick, is prepare with praise. Prepare with praise. Psalm 100, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Prepare in praise. I, I lift a hallelujah. I'll sing a hallelujah. When we, when we just begin to praise God even in advance, it makes such a difference. The second is we pray in Jesus' name. We lift it in his name. He is the name above every name. And I want you to know, whenever I pray in Jesus' name, it's not just a little amendment to add to the end of my prayer. It is a continual reminder of the power that comes through only him through his sacrifice, through his power, through his name. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name will be given to you. John 16, verse 23. But you got to hear the third one. You prepare in praise and you pray in Jesus' name, but you also pray according to God's will. That's why we don't say Lamborghini in Jesus' name. Are you with me? Because here's what he says about that. He says, if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us. You know, you know, it hit me when I saw those two verses back to each other. Sometimes we can pray things that aren't even according to his will. We're praying completely out of his will. Maybe we're praying selfishly, whatever it might be. And we think, is God mad at that? Here's my thing. I don't even know if God hears it. He says, if we pray according to his will, then he hears us. So, so you got to be careful. There are, you know, there are things, and, and this may sound crazy, but it's more biblical than so many other things we sometimes will hear. That there are things that can hinder God hearing our prayers. It says, I, I have to make sure I treat my wife as a co-heir to the good news, the grace of God, so that my prayers aren't hindered before God. Are you with me? There are things over and over again that if we allow those things to happen, they can create a hindrance in our own prayer life. And so we desire to live God's will, but we desire to live and pray according to his will. Number four is that we pray and practice the word of God. We pray his word. You know, for many of us, when you get into an argument with maybe a, 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 one of your children or, or your parent or, or your spouse or sibling, you know, whenever your words are being given back to you and said back to you, it's not normally a good context, right? But you said da 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 and you did that. You know, but God loves that. He loves hearing back from us. God, you said that if we ask anything according to your will today, Lord God, we ask. Lord, you said this. You said if we confess our sins, you said, Lord God, and we bring his word back to him, he, he hears that and he honors that, but we also make sure we're practicing it. I saw a popular meme going around on social media that says, don't be impressed when people memorize God's word, be impressed when they live God's word. I said, that's a good one, but, but I hope that we don't miss that first part because you got to know God's word sometimes to live it. Don't live it accidentally. You, you hear me? You hear me? Sounds like, well, I was kind of, kind of did it, but I, no, we got to know his word and then live his word. We got to do it. We can't just be in, just, just knowing it here. We have to know it here. That's when it changes our lives. So we pray God's word and we practice God's word. Jesus says, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and we do the things that are pleasing in his sight. First John three twenty two. 
Fifth one is we pray in faith. Come on, we pray in faith. We believe. Do you feel how faith stirred in our hearts? Man, as we came forward, even I felt a faith erupt in us. Matthew 21, 22. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Number six, we pray in the spirit. Paul says in Ephesians 6, 18, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people. Man, as we pray in the Spirit, the Spirit of God is within us now. And as we pray in the Spirit, He'll begin to prompt us to even pray. Sometimes you'll be praying for someone that, that gets brought to your mind. You're prompted by the Spirit of God. And you begin to pray, and God's moving in those prayers. I mean, we saw the, this precious child lifted from that bed as people were praying in the Spirit continually for God's people. Number seven. We pray, until, or we pray until something happens. Push. This is our value, family. We said we pray until something happens. We believe in God who, of God who answers and hears us when we pray. And so we're going to keep praying, keep pushing, and we don't give up. I want to encourage you to read in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, if you want to see that. My life goal is becoming that persistent widow. Lord, I want to keep persisting in prayer. I never want to go, uh, grow out of it. I never want to stop believing. Never want to lose heart, Lord God, but continue to press in. And finally, we pray with humility. Don't just read Luke chapter 18, verse 1 through 8. Read all the way to verse 14. Because right after that, Jesus, he begins to see and tell a story about a Pharisee and a tax collector who both come to God in prayer. And the Pharisee comes to God in prayer, and he says, I'm so glad I'm not him. And he's just so full of pride. And the tax collector comes and says, Lord, I'm, I'm so broken, and I need you so much. And God honors that humility. Hear me again. God honors humility. He lifts up the humble, and he opposes the proud. So again, let me just read them. Prepare with praise. Pray in Jesus' name. Pray according to God's will. Practice and pray God's word. Pray in faith. Pray in the spirit. Pray until something happens. And pray with humility. Amen? So here's what I want you to do as we leave today. I want you to grab at the end of your row, there's a card and a basket all the way on the right-hand side. If you'll grab that and quickly pass it down the aisle. Everyone take one of these cards. Last week, we were inspired by God's word. When people realized their need for his word, they made a covenant with the Lord. They said, Lord, I'm making a commitment in your presence today that this is how I'll live my life. And over 600 of you last week made a commitment and said, Lord, I'm going to honor your word. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to know you through your word. And today I'm inviting you to make the same commitment in prayer. Will you develop that priority of prayer? Will you allow it to become foundational in your life and in your walk with God? And as you do that, watch how God begins to honor those other areas of your life. So here, here it is. It says it again, Leviticus 6.13. And this is for you to keep. This is, you're not turning this in today like you did last week. Put it somewhere. Remind yourself. Put it on a mirror. Put it in your Bible. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must never go out. And here's your commitment before the Lord. I, and then write your name, commit to grow my prayer life in the following ways. And you can select multiple things if you'd like to, whatever the Lord's putting on your heart today. Number one, attend the, week, the Wednesday prayer meeting. Seven o'clock Wednesday nights, be here. 
Man, we've been filling uh, almost more than half of this sanctuary, this space here, but I'm ready to break out on the edges here and fill this space with people that are praying, with hearts that are lifting before the Lord. So be here 7 o'clock on Wednesday. Don't ask if I'm going to the prayer meeting. Ask how often are we going? Are we going weekly? Are we going once a month, twice a month? But make it a priority to be here at the prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. And someone said amen up there. Set aside daily time to pray. Jesus himself rose up early in the morning and he prayed. So we set aside time every day that you're going to be with the Lord in prayer. Third is starting a prayer journal. This has been life-changing for me in different seasons of my life that God's just met me and spoken to me and challenged me. But I had a thought, what would it look like that if you would just write down the prayer requests that you're lifting before the Lord and then you'd go back with a different color ink and you would write down every time God met those prayer requests and put the date What would it look like when your son, your daughter, your grandchild, your granddaughter, your niece, your nephew is having a crisis of faith and saying, I wonder if God even hears when we pray. And you pull out a journal and say, why don't you go ahead and read this sometime? What would it do for someone that you know and love, a new generation, to receive and see with their own eyes the answer to God's prayers? It says this, let this be recorded for generation to come so people yet to be created may begin to praise God. Are you with me? So start a prayer journal and just begin to record those areas that you're praying. And finally, join a prayer team. We have a team that intercedes for Sunday mornings. We'd love to have more join with us. And, uh, and we have uh, other prayer that happens here at this altar on Wednesday nights, on different nights of the week that just pray for these requests. We'd love for more to put their hands to it. So in the weeks to come, we'll give you opportunities to sign up for that. And please, if you make that commitment, then be ready to jump in as we do that. Would you stand to your feet today? I want to pray for you. And as you're finishing that, you fill out whatever the Lord puts on your heart today and put that somewhere that you're going to remember the commitment you've made before the Lord. And I want to pray for you today as we go. And as I'm getting ready to pray, if our prayer team can come forward and just prepare yourselves to be ready. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you. We thank you for your presence. Lord, surely you have been here with us today. We have sensed it from the beginning of the worship to the end of this time, Lord. You've been speaking to us. You've been leading us. You've been meeting with us. I pray you now leave, uh, help us to leave this place full of your presence, full of praise, Lord, and thanksgiving for what you've done. Lord, we honor you today. We ask you to come and have your way. Continue to meet us as we have made a declaration in our hearts of our dependency on you in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you today. Praise God. We're excited to uh, have you join us and we encourage you to come forward if you have any prayer requests. If not, you're free to go. Please make sure you come back on Wednesday night for prayer and next Sunday morning. God bless.